Proctor with some announcements before we get into this episode. The Big Elixir is coming up in New Orleans, Louisiana on March 24th and 25th. This year, The Big Elixir will feature 12 fantastic talks focusing entirely on the learnings, struggles, successes, and overall experiences of working with LiveView and the Petal Stack. That is Phoenix, Elixir, Tailwind CSS, AlpineJS, and LiveView. Listeners can save 20% on conference tickets when they use the code FUNCTIONALGEEKERY2020. Visit TheBigElixir.com to register and for more information. ElixirConf EU 2020 is going hybrid. ElixirConf EU is taking place in London, England, or wherever you are for the virtual track, on the 9th and 10th of June, with training on the 6th through the 8th. For more information and to get your tickets, visit ElixirConf.eu. Closure D will be held in Berlin on the 11th of June, 2020. Closure D is a closure conference with national and international speakers. Talks will cover big data processing, asynchronous and reactive programming, closure script, and many other topics. The conference will be held in English. The call for proposals is open now through March 4th, and tickets are on sale now, including supported tickets to help Closure D reach and support a more diverse audience by offering a contingent of free tickets to people from groups traditionally underrepresented in the Closure community and in the wider tech community. If your company would like to sponsor Closure D, they have new packages lined up for recruitment, marketing, sponsorships, and Closure D is always happy to expand their network and grateful for support. Visit ClosureD.de for more information to submit your talk and to register. Lambda Days 2022 has been pushed back until the 28th and 29th of July. Taking place in Krakow, Poland, and online, two Lambda Days tracks will be run as hybrid tracks combining both an in-person and virtual experience. And Lambda Ladies, Lambda Days wants you. For every Lambda Lady in your group, everyone gets 10% off the price, up to 50% off the entire order. Visit lambdadays.org to register and to find out more. And if you know of any other conferences around functional programming, email contact at functionalgeekery.com and I'll be happy to announce them. Also, some of you have mentioned you would like to show support for Functional Geekery. In that vein, Functional Geekery now has a Patreon page. If that is how you would like to show your support, you can find out more at www.patreon.com slash fngeekery. That giant virtual hug goes out to all those who are already supporting the podcast. Lastly, if you are enjoying Functional Geekery, please help spread the word. If you would leave a rating and or review on iTunes, or on your favorite podcast directory, or even share your favorite episodes on social media, I need your help to spread the word about Functional Geekery. And if there are any guests or topics that you want to hear from or about, please reach out and email guests at functionalgeekery.com, and I'll put them on my notes for future episode ideas. Thank you for listening, and for all your support. Welcome to Functional Geekery. I'm Chris Proctor, and this week with us we have Jordan Miller. Jordan, would you mind telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Hey, friends. I hope you know me by now. I've been loud and proud and talking about closure for a little bit now. My moniker, my handle, my alias, if you will, <laughs> is uh, Lambda on Twitter and, and other things. And I produce content and talk about closure and do closure script and have a lot of fun just kind of booping around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you came on the radar, except probably through one of your channels of YouTube or your Lost in Lambdas podcast or one of the other things, just like all of a sudden it was like, and there's Jordan in making some noise in a good way in the closure channel. It's like, oh, okay, that's it. Like, I will have to get her on because 
Like, apparently a new face making making a bunch of noise, splashing around in the closure pond, so... If my Not understanding like is right, other you're, you're, you're relatively new as well to development overall, not just closure. So why don't we just lay the track of your background before, and then we can get into how you found closure and functional programming. Sure. Actually, first, I do want to address what you said that I came onto your radar. I thought, I was like, did this person write a bot that like n- watched the Cognicast? Because the day that the Cognicast was released was the same day I got the email from you. And I was like, oh, that's smart. And I thought, I was like, did he automate this? That's pretty good. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know if it was probably just, it sounds like it was just a quinky dink. Yeah, it was uh, more of a coincidence. I had seen you around in the Kelly's community for a while. But short version is podcast went on hiatus because crazy JavaScript land world job on the front end that was just pure chaos. We had some rammed up, but there was people fighting the functional side in another group that was part of the team. Then I went to infrastructure's code team, building out cloud. And then it's like, okay. And then I just transitioned to a new job doing closure full time. It's like, now that I've kind of settled down, I'm back in the functional programming ecosystem and it's fun again. So like now to start ramping up the podcast is like, okay, who would I want? Who would I want that I've seen in the past six months or so? I was like, okay, go through Jordan. And then I was like, oh, she was just on the Cognicast too. So yeah, that was just pure timing. And I think it's happened once or twice, but hey, I guess great minds think alike, I want to say. Well, I am I am honored. I'm not sure how I got to this closure stardom, but here here I am with purple hair. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, you had asked about my background. Quick synopsis. I'm an autodidact, so I don't have a formal computer science background or education. I did a lot of, I don't know, early 20s. I was a fire performer for a while. I was a bartender for a while. Kind of None of those things you can sustain as a long-term career. And the TLDR is that a TLDR means too long, didn't read. I feel like I say that a lot. I should probably explain what it means. But uh, I, a project got outsourced to me. It was a WordPress site at the bar that I worked at. And so I, I was like, oh, this is fun. This is easy. This is cool. And then I had a mentor involved in my life that kind of showed me the, like, I learned Lambda calculus first. As as like a, my introduction to programming was like Lambda calculus. And it's funny because I still have some of those notes like on my bookshelf behind me. I have, it's a notebook that's called Naming Things is Hard. And naming things never got easier. <laughs> but um, I have all of those notes. And so, yeah, it was Lambda calculus and, and then Scheme. I did Scheme and Dr. Racket for a little bit and was solving kind of word problem because I, I, I had no experience, so I didn't like know the like for example interleave function. But I would be told by a mentor like, okay, write a function that takes two lists and weaves them together, and I would go and implement that in, in Scheme and Racket. And then I did Unholy Python because I was like, there's no way I'll get a closure job. I just gotta <laughs> do this. And I thought I was really gonna be a back end engineer too because I like playing with data. I like that. So I did some unholy Python for a bit, and then I went to the conj, and I met a lot of really wonderful people, and I started poking around in Slack channels, looking for jobs, and 
Then I got a position as a closure script developer on a reframe app. And I moved to Virginia and kind of threw myself into that. And here I am. <laughs> so you go from doing WordPress and potentially PHP into Lambda Calculus. How much was it mainly WordPress or was there a lot of PHP stuff with the WordPress? Because I know you can do you can get far on WordPress without doing any PHP. I did nothing. Like when I felt late, like sometimes I would turn the HTML on to make myself practice. But no, a lot of times I was just because the thing is, the reason I got outsourced to me is because the person I was trying to was going to write like a bespoke closure script, a whole thing. And it's like just a restaurant. All they need is like a menu and like online order. They don't need this whole big thing. And, you know, it was coming up. It was about to be due. And they realized that also, like, the owner was paying $500 worth of burritos, like a gift card to the restaurant, but like $500. And that's like not a going rate for a closure script developer. <laughs> but that's the going rate for a novice like myself who went the night before and just threw together, like used a template, just threw together a website that like, you know, those templates are good. They have good UI, they have good user experience. People are familiar. That's what they expect to see when they get a website. And I had a really good time just uh, with the creative aspect of it a lot, writing the copy and the pictures and, and transitioning into Lambda Calculus. Yeah. So, so WordPress was like, I mean, like nothing. Like I don't, I'm not even sure it was coding. I don't know. I'm not sure it, it counted as I felt a little like wrong, honestly calling it coding, but I guess it was. And then I also started to rack up other little WordPress contracts, small businesses in the area that needed a website. And so, you know, I would buy the domain, you know, like <laughs> buy something for a hundred bucks, charge them 150. <laughs> you know, I just got like a WordPress page hustle going on. <laughs> um, and then into Lambda Calculus, it's funny when you're so green on, on all of that stuff. And, and especially me, I don't have like a math, I don't really have a, a formal math academic background. And so I am, I am bright though, and I do learn quickly. And I only really learned the parts of Lambda Calculus that I needed to like be able to conceptualize things, think of things in group, think of lists, know what a linked list is, like just, so it's not like I was doing super high. I didn't have out, I didn't have the uh, TI-89 out or anything. <laughs> I guess it's a difference, but it to me, reflecting on it, it doesn't, I guess it's it was harder, but it doesn't seem particularly, looking back, looking back at what I said, it was hard at the time. Actually, I, I got put back to Lambda Calculus because tried to jump into Scheme, didn't get any of it, and it was like, okay, hold up. We're going back. Paper and pencil. <laughs> oh, and these dog tags we'd use, that was a really cool, a really cool thing to like get my hands involved and um, conceptualize. Ordered a pack of like just blank dog tags. Yeah, blank dog tags. And you can write on them with a dry erase marker. And so if you write A, B, C, one, two, three, and you can make, you know, like little Lego blocks, I would make lists out in front of me and like be able to move the dog tags around to kind of like put my hands on the data in a way that when you're first learning, I think it's really valuable. But yeah, I guess, I don't know. I hope I answered the question. <laughs> you did. It's just basically establishing that context of 
because WordPress can mean what you did and WordPress can be like, I've gone into creating plugins for people and now I'm deep in the PHP kind of world or I do WordPress and then I enhance a bunch of JavaScript on it and do a bunch of stuff as well. So it's like saying front end development to some extent you can do drag and drop and like, Oh, I make websites. Well, what does it mean to make a website? Do you do, Oh yeah. Here's a template. Here's a couple pictures and put stuff up or is it, Nope, you're building the back infrastructure, spinning up databases, you're deploying it all too. So that was kind of where the question was leading to set the next stage of. You knew there was enough there. You get your mentor to start teaching you some Lambda calculus and then continue on and say, yes, this is actually, I don't want to just do the WordPress and do the creative side and potentially get a bigger hustle going. I want to actually build the pieces on my own to some extent and put them together on my own instead of just kind of plugging some stuff in potentially of like, here's your image. I can make you a site. I can, I got the graphic design skills and it's more of a graphic design background versus I can actually make something more than just putting some pictures on a template kind of thing. Yeah. I think what really got me too was the closure community really kind of like stole my heart in that I think in a lot of these larger ecosystems, you know, that you know, like Python and JavaScript, it's just so large and there are so many resources and tutorials and people to ask and, and whatever. But, but then there, there's a certain like disadvantage. You're just kind of getting like lost in the sauce a little bit. But with closure and the community, you know, you hang out in the Slack channel long enough. You start reading like you, <laughs> when I met. Sean Corfield. I was tickled to death because it's like, you know, there's all these, all these people that I knew of as, you know, and then I met them like in real life and I'm able to like maintain and build relationships with these people, which is to me amazing. And, uh, and I love, you know, there's a lot of reasons I love closure, but I think that's really what, what pulled me in to, cause I do like the creative thing and I like, I like creativity because I like thinking abstractly. And it's funny now that. I am kind of getting back into UI and UX as kind of I'm progressing in my career because that is what makes me happy. But it's it's funny. My journey has been not what I would think. Like I said, I really thought I was going to be a back end. But uh, I don't know. I'll aim aim for full stack, full pancake stack. And you said you started doing some scheme and some Python beforehand. What were the drivers for those? Were those just, was that I need something a little bit more hands-on tangible and they were mainly still exercises or were they, I'm breaking in, getting into development and trying to, I subcontracted out as a contractor to do WordPress stuff. Now let's see if I can do scheme and racket or Python as a full-on dev kind of thing. Was that just playground and doing this stuff and learning there or was that still you were taking advantage of that and starting dev. Yeah, I wanted a career because like my my feet were hurting from all the bartending. <laughs> and it was bartending at microbreweries, so it was pretty laid back and chill, but that's just not I know, you you think of a career, you think of something more getting older, you know, you just want more stable. And I like like I said I really like being able to use my brain. I like I like being creative and I'm sorry, you know, I like I like that. And so learning scheme, what the purpose of learning scheme was for, you know, SICP and learning closure. Like that was the purpose because tried to dive straight into closure and closure script. Actually, that was back when Lighttable was a thing. 
if anybody's ever tried to do closure script on light table, you'll remember that struggle. Um, that was a, that was a buggy, <laughs> that was a buggy IDE. <laughs> but yeah, I tried to dive into closure. And I remember there's this, there was this one exercise that I just didn't get. And it's funny because I go back to it now and it was five different ways to show a function. And the first one was, you know, def and then fn. The other one was, you know, the uh, just fn anonymous. The other thing, I think the other was the uh, anonymous literal. Is that what it's called? With the 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 pound sign nobody likes. <laughs> you know, that, that, that crappy one you only use once in a while. That I think the other one was partial. And maybe it was only four. I don't, I don't. Then the regular remember. def end, probably. Oh, regular definite. Exactly. Perfect. Yes, exactly. And I just diving into that exercise, it's just like d- didn't understand. It's like, a, and, and the whole, the whole purpose is showing the same function in these five different ways and understanding that they're all the same. And, and I just conceptually like couldn't grep that yet. And so that's what said, it's like, okay, back to scheme school. <laughs> And then really, really like understanding the fundamentals of lists and link lists and like kind of how that how that works. And it's funny because I do reflect on that exercise sometimes, like and when when I'm coding now, as a I don't know, it's like a it's a very it's a grounding thing to think about when I'm coding. If I get too up up in my head, like a nice nice like exercise is well, how else could I express this in these five ways that I know? So yeah, that's why I scheme. And then Python was just employable skills. <laughs> I just I was like, how oh, do you just go like a, a, a crappy Python job for nothing? And that'll get me like in to the industry. And I like that because if you're self-taught, that was the other thing is I didn't want to go into debt going to college because I had seen, I'm a millennial. I saw what happened to my friends. It was not good. And so I wanted a career, but I didn't want to go into massive debt. And so, yeah, the way, I don't know, software, it just, it was a good fit for me. Good fit for, good fit for me. And that's why, why I pursued it. And I'm glad that I did. Okay. So closure was always on your radar as the, essentially the yeah. end goal. It sounds like from the beginning, from the get go, it was just, they were yes. strategic steps of how do I get in there? I need to figure out how to get in there, but that's where I want mm-hmm. to go kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, because closure is used more uh, in enterprise, you know, like, no, I mean, like I said, I don't come from an academician background. I don't, there's like a scheme conference in Seattle. I like looked at once, but like, I knew I wasn't going to get a job doing scheme or Haskell. That's not how that works, you know, but, you know, closure, it still keeps the same like elegance. It still keeps the same principles. And you don't get in because when you start from the beginning with all of the amazing, like when you start from the beginning with immutable data, how do you, how do you ever, how do you ever go back is, is, is my kind of thing I've struggled with is trying to learn other languages and trying to just experience other, expand my mind for the good of my brain ecosystem. And I'm like, what do you mean you mutated it? Well, what happened to it? What do you mean you don't know what happened to it? (laughs) You know, it's, I don't know. So I was actually, that's a little shocking to me because it seems like it'd be easier to go back to mutable data from immutable if you've never dealt with all the pain. Like coming from a mutable OO world, 
and being bitten by that and be like, and then having read some of Fowler's books and some of the others where it's like, and Eric Evans, like and some of these other things back that were published in the early 2000s, it was like value objects. Value objects are important. You were in OO, but still make a value. Get rid of getters, get rid of setters. And just mm-hmm. this thing, it like, you don't change the money. You just get a new money. You just do something like, it's not just money and it's not just weight. There is a lot more of this stuff than you should realize and do it. And you're like, eh, yeah, I get it, but it's not that pervasive. And then you start realizing how pervasive it is. And then you hit immutable stuff everywhere. You're like, that's my experience. Which is like, yeah, I've been there. I've juggled fire in a different sense than you have, but it's like, <laughs> nope, nope. I've burned myself too many times. I do not want to go back there. Whereas I can see somebody being like, okay, I've got immutable from, from the get go. But is it as really, is it as bad as everybody really says it is kind of thing? So I could see where that's like, they're just exaggerating it. These are just like, back in my day, we walked, <laughs> we walked 15 miles each direction to school. You're like, mutable data is not that bad. So I can see where like fresh, you don't have. Yeah. Well, I see. It's so funny now that I work, you know, I work in closure professionally. There's a reason that everybody that's been programming for more than 10 years ends up here. Like there's a reason we have that problem with, you know, there being only senior closure devs. It's because, you know, you, you get here, you're, you know, you're tired. You're about to quit your life. You're, you, you, you're broken. You've been, you know, and, and, uh, and it's funny because I go back and I review OO every couple of, I don't know. Yeah, now yeah, it hasn't been in a while, but I used to go back and there's a particular talk. Oh, I learned a lot. I really, really use the resources on MIT free courseware or MIT has a YouTube channel where they have the original, um, Sussman and Abelman, uh, lectures. Like they have, and I learned a lot from that. They were using like Edwin, which is they had like one, like it was. Yeah. But, and I've watched the most recent. Um, so I'm a big fan of MIT free courseware. And there is a woman, I think her name is Dr. Dr. Mia Bell. I think, I don't know. She gives talk on OO and every, I've watched it pro- probably like three or four times in the last, you know, few years. And I watch, I'm like, oh, it's just a more complicated higher order function. Got it. <laughs> like, that's, um, yeah, I know. I know I'm a, I don't say freak, but yeah, it's, it's, trust me, y'all have definitely, I've heard the pain points. Don't think I need to go back and experience them. That's that's okay. <laughs> you know, I've seen the trauma. I see the trauma in other coders. You code, on, you know, and and it's it's even affected me a little bit in that. I don't know. It's just programming. I've had this wonderful opportunity to work with and write code with, you know, some really amazing devs that have been doing this a very very long time, and so I've kind of like lived their truth because when you are in a code base it's only you know and i've benefited a lot from like you know their libraries like imagine what your kit lib looks like when you've been doing this when you've been doing closure for you know the entirety of time <laughs> but i've seen i've seen the pain points of in it because it shows through people's actions i think there is a delicate line and i struggle with it a lot of how much abstraction is too much abstraction because you get to a certain point and you want to write everything to be reusable. You want to reuse everything, have everything be generic, have every like generic flexibility, you know, <laughs> all around. And I think I get those traits from hanging out with the functional folks that have been, you know, if you've been writing computer programs for 20 years, 
of course you want to put everything to a reusable abstraction because you're tired of writing the same thing 10 times. <laughs> and some of that's rubbed off on me. So that's something I, I noticed that I have that trait now where my first instinct is like, oh, let's abstract it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I don't know, 80% of the time that's appropriate, but sometimes you can just make one change in one place and it's okay. You don't need to, <laughs> you know, create an abstraction layer for like one thing. <laughs> If closure was always on your radar and always the goal, what about closure? Was it just your mentor or was there somebody else that you were around that said, closure's this? Like, okay, you said scheme. Yeah, yeah. Am I going to get a job in scheme? And are we going to get a job in high school? I'm more likely to do closure. Was it just functional programming in general? And then you looked at, you just had some hints that said, closure's your best bet for the time. Or was there something? specifically appealing about closure based off what other people were selling? Well, my mentor had gone through a couple of workshops done by uh, Dave Beasley up in Chicago. And it's basically, you know, that is, I, it's funny because I got like the, the hand-me-downs of it. Cause, <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it was a workshop where it's basically spoon feeding SICP concepts, but in Python. And so because, you know, at the time they were a Python dev. So I think that that, that was a huge influence was them doing that workshop and seeing, you know, once you, once you, once you see the sick light and you kind of understand that things can work a different way. And, and so that was a heavy influence on their life at the time. And so it, you know, carried through to me and that went through. Yeah. And that just comes down to, getting a job employable employable skills you know like sick p scheme not gonna not not gonna get a job in that but closure and there is a version of sick p in closure and i remember i think it was being written at the time i was i was studying it but yeah that's really what influenced it then then i got involved in the community and here we are so you get some of the functional ideas exposed especially if you're targeting sick pee and you realize closure and you're starting to even drink the closure Kool-Aid from afar, you get into Python. I'm sure you felt some of that mutability stuff, the scars that people were talking about. Python can be good and then there can be bad, but it's a broad range of some of that stuff when it's kind of the, yes, there's one way to do Python, but there's not really. It's, do you want to do list comprehensions or you want to do other stuff or do you want like, like any larger community, there's there's striations in the quality too. So as you got in, yeah, what did you hit? There were I, I will say so I did all of that back, you know, scheme closure, whatever. But then also, you know, I couldn't rely on my mentor. I guess full disclosure. So my mentor is my ex. So we're still good friends. But like what I'm referring to them, that's that's you know uh, we were living together. You know, we were together. So it wasn't just like a, a random assigned program mentor, but so I couldn't rely on them for everything. And so I did a lot of self-teaching and all those resources exist in Python. So I, um, I'm i a big fan of, I always promote Coursera courses. I think they are the best of, and even now when I work with my mentee in this nonprofit that I'm involved with, I even watched them go through you, you know, Udemy, Udacity, didn't really get it. Oh, I don't really feel like I got the material. I want to try again, try again. And once we got them on Coursera, it just, it, 
you know, cause he's the Corsair, they're the real college courses. And so, you know, teaching, like there's a method to the madness. There are some people thinking about the best way to like, you know, different types of materials and engaging with it. And so I would take a Coursera course in Python, but then like, you know, I would learn about for loops. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> I really struggled to learn for loops. It sounds funny to say, but like I, I, I struggled with for loops because I learned recursion first and I learned like I just didn't. So I, it didn't. I just remember really struggling with it and wanting to visualize it like I could with my dog tags with doing listen that way and using map and, you know, I could see it. And I had a really hard time in the beginning learning. So I'd learn like a for loop in Python and then be like, okay, well, what is the functional way to do this? And then, you know, go back. Okay. And realize, and like, I guess, connect the knowledge with, okay, well, that's, I would map over something or, you know, whatever function I guess is most appropriate for the situation. And so I did a lot of that. And early in my learning, it was before, <laughs> before I realized that, what, what before, what, I'm no longer scared to use APIs. I know it sounds ridiculous, but when you're young, when you're young, you're, when you're learning, if there was like a Python library that already wrapped an API, like I'll use that, you know, but then I'm going to go in and do all these weird functional things with it. And from that Dave Beasley course, there are a lot of, it was a personal library, like written from that course that had a lot of things that aren't traditionally available in Python, but like, like functional stuff that I was able to use. And Actually, I still need to go back and delete it. But when I was like rearing up to get a job, you know, you got to have like your, your personal web page and you got to have your blog and you got to be like, look, I have a personal project. I did thing. Like I'm legit. I promise. <laughs> and I have my, it's a blog. It's like a Jekyll hosted. I think it was like my one gimme on uh, GitHub. It's my blog and it's like a Python blog where there's like two posts, totally unmaintained. It's on Python where I'm like, mansplaining functional programming to like python developers <laughs> like like really convincing like I, I drew a whole diagram about filter and like how filter works and fill oh filter partial i was advocating the use of filter partial casually in python for like you know to like play with the spotify api to like play with the like so uh, i probably really need to take that down because i doubt I bet there's somebody somewhere that's looked at a Python PR and been like, what? What is, why? Because it was, yeah, I advocate like functional programming, but in Python. So little functions, not like if I make variable, not mutating it, not changing it, just like a weird. So, so yeah, that's, that's still out there. I think it's even on my link tree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing on mute because I've over the years as I've dove more into functional programming and drank the Kool Aid. Yes, I push it, and it's like some groups I've worked with they get it. And they're like, "Oh, this is so nice," and then other groups are like, "What is this weird incantation you're doing for some of this stuff?" It's like, well, one of the more recent was Python, and it was a good experience because they're like, "Oh, we're interested," but it was like, "Here's Python," mm -hmm. and I was like. For checking lambdas and looking at tags off lambdas, I was like, okay, we're going to take it. We got the handler. There's a namespace and slash module for all of our pure functions. 
Then we got like an AWS API, and those are the and like action using Eric Norman's terms of actions, 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 actions. Like this thing's all this. We pass the actions in, invert them with like give a map that is your lookup dependency injection table kind of thing. You look at like which function do you need? Oh, you need call Dynamo to find something else. Here's the function you do that wraps your fun- like higher order function that's partially applied to go do Dynamo, built by the controller of the handler and like this is like it's kind of nice but this is weird and then i was like oh like it was also terror i was doing terraform and i've had conversations with people like oh no 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 i'm butchering terraform like you've given me four expressions in here you have maps of data i was like we are going to build this sucker out as a nested map of nested maps of nested maps and we will for we will four comprehension inside of four comprehension this sucker to build this thing out. They're like, it works. I never, like I had a couple workers who were like it works. I never could have come up with this. And I think I understand it now. Cause it was like, one of them was Google cloud. I was like, we got to go pull all the roles across like all the sub sub permissions across all the roles and aggregate them up to make our new role. But we also have to split that out. Cause a role can only be a custom role can only be so many lines long. So we're like, okay, so pick so many items. And it was just like, this is magic, and the, we are probably doing things we shouldn't be doing in Terraform and HCL, but it works. And, but again, I've well, also that's been, why they call it the Wizard Book, yeah. right? <laughs> but then you get groups where it's like, "What the heck are you doing? Get that out of here! We are going to revert it," kind of stuff. So that's why I was kind of curious when your Python stuff. You're like, "I've drunk the Kool Aid early on. I started with functional programming. Now I'm in Python, but I'm working in a real job with other devs." What does that look like as you write the Python with the reactions of like pull requester? Uh, Jordan, what are you doing here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so that was kind of weird. Well, th- I never actually perfect. I never, I thought I would have to get a not great Python job, but it turns out it just dove right into closure. Closure script just embraced me and I just, and I'm, I'm here now. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Right. That's, that's why. That was, yeah. Yeah, I thought um, you said you had a small little stint doing some Python at a job until you jumped the closure, but you were able to. No, I tried. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I jumped right in there. And it's it's funny. I feel so conflicted because I have people close to me in my life, you know, my little brother, who they're trying to learn programming. And, you know, also mentees, I different mentees I have over the years. And I feel a little bit conflicted because I think what worked for me is not, not super wise to advise to other people. <laughs> because like my little brother now, he's like looking for, he's kind of stuck in that working a full-time job, tired. He's been studying closure for a couple years now. He's proficient. He can do things, but he can't, he, he never has the time off and like the mind space, that last push. That's the other thing is I start the last couple months that I, before I applied to jobs and eventually got one, I stopped working. And I think that that is a problem that we need to look at in the software industry when we're telling people to self teach. And something I've commonly run into is that you, it's so hard to self teach if you're working full time. It's just like the human brain doesn't have the capacity to take on that much. And so, yeah, I feel conflicted. Because I'm like, yeah, rah, rah, closure. And I try to do what I can, actually. So Daniel Higginbotham had reached out to me somewhat recently. 
And I think he also contacted Paula and Arne. And we're thinking about doing like beginners closure bi-weekly like video call in and I think we're gonna host it in the closure slack as as a huddle now that we're on the pro tier to kind of help beginners that are interested get into closure because it seems to be a pain point of well nobody will hire junior engineers because they're all such senior engineers but like then we get concerned the community doesn't grow how do we solve this problem how do we get more beginners in but then like I said I feel bad advising closure because I've talked to a bunch of people applying to closure jobs with not a lot of experience and just brick wall getting nowhere can't oh you need you know and it's I don't know I'm conflicted about it I wish I knew what to do honestly the company I'm in now does a closure boot camp to ramp people up if they are unfamiliar and do it which is very rare but they realize there's plenty of people out there interested in closure who may have only touched it on the fringe. And that's where I went. I was like, look, I haven't actually done production closure. I've done some production Erlang. I played with a bunch of other stuff. I've done some production Elm. I've got a broad swath of functional stuff I've studied and I've done plenty of toy project projects. And that, so I was like, okay, bootcamp. They're like, again, they knew me from the podcast. They're like, oh, the bootcamp is even below that level. So some companies, it's mm-hmm. nice to know that they are doing the, you're interested. We will train you up. The one thing that, can be tricky though is maintaining that parity and not just like here's your intro to closure how do you make the jump into like being productive in closure versus just writing the same kind of code you would have python or .NET or java or anything else just with closure syntax i think that's the other thing just in the larger functional programming community is there's syntax and basic ideas like immutability for data as a first class citizen but how do you actually apply that and what does it look like when strictly and really applied? So I, I get that mm-hmm. because it's, I can also see where you, when you said you were conflicted at first, it's like, I'm teaching you, I'm pushing it down closure script, but they're going to land in the Python or Java or JavaScript or .NET or Ruby because that's where the jobs are. And they're going to be spoiled. And I, like, I'm be- extolling the benefits of immutability. And they're like, what is going, you, you didn't tell me about this, Jordan. <laughs> Why did you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm 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 going through that right now because I recently started working at Vouch and I was very very excited because I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I get to work with Mike Fikes and David Nolan. I get to do some cutting edge closure, you know, when it like, yeah, cutting edge closure script." I was envisioning because I'd done, you know, I've done a few reframe apps at this point. And so it was, you know, new new challenges doing native app, uh, React Native and, and all that. And it's funny because we actually keep our components as JavaScript. So it's the irony is killing me that for the first time in my career, I'm actually having to learn <laughs> how to write JavaScript. And, and it's, it's mostly just a syntax thing because I've always been able to do Enclosure Script. You know, there, there are no, I got to use my brain. So I usually look up the answer in JavaScript kind of like squint my eyes a little, understand conceptually what's going on, and then do it better in Closure Script. <laughs> like do it. But yeah, it's it's so funny. I've actually been struggling with like my IDE, I use Emacs, uh, the one true editor. And I'm really and I tried to move over to IntelliJ because that's that's what David uses. 
And I don't know, tool tool choices are such a personal thing that I, I just I couldn't do it. I tried to because I did use PyCharm. So I was like, oh, easy peasy. It'll just come. It's like riding a bike. You know, um, JetBrains, they're all the same. Whatever. Py, and PyCharm is really good. So, but no, I've been living in the Emacs world for too long. And, and now I'm trying to, my latest struggle is trying to write good JavaScript in Emacs. And I have not found a major mode yet. I recently asked on Twitter and people had some recommendations. So I got to check those out. But I'm like, I don't think, you know, I just want some basic things. Like when I open a tag, I just want it closing, but like pair edit doesn't work. I'm just like, <laughs> but the irony is, is killing me that, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm writing some JavaScript. I'm just, and it's only the components and it actually, I really appreciate why we do it. David had a very good reason for building it this way because business logic and components should be separate anyway. Like that's, that's, you know, as God intended, that's, you know, and JavaScript developers are easy to find and hire, especially, you know, React Native. So if you're building a React Native app to have all of the components done in JavaScript, and then we use a tool called Storybook to visualize it is really valuable. And then we have the business logic in a CLJS file that they talk to each other. And so it really enforces the separation of concerns, which is really nice. But here I am <laughs> reviewing, <laughs> reviewing, uh, JavaScript syntax, trying to get it done in Emacs when I like, I'm, I'm used to like when I open anything, it always closes it for me. Come on. That's, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's personal, personal struggles. <laughs> You're like, well, ripple driven development. I'm dropping Emacs and just going straight into the JavaScript console because that's how I get my feedback now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At least your pure components instead of the stateful components mm -hmm. and having to make that stuff. Well, it's the other thing is I've always done web apps. And so native development. Yeah, React Native is just I was like, oh, yeah, I've used React. It'll be easy peasy. It was just a, no, it's a whole different ball game. And I it's I've been there a couple weeks now. I'm I'm getting it now. But like Xcode and Android Studio and like not having not being able to just like right click inspect pass because I have a very defined workflow that I'm I'm trying I'm try I'm reworking for for this new situation, but I had it where you know I I do super heavy REPL driven development where I pass in data the components and and watch it hot reload and then open the dev tools and it's that feedback loop and yeah I'm still trying to like like access. I'm like pawing at the door of trying to get that same feedback loop with this current stack. And eventually, eventually I'll get it. Um, I mean, I have some of the brightest, brightest people, you know, supporting me in that, but I'm still hacking and <laughs> trying to, trying to, uh, I don't know, find, find my flow, find my feedback loop. That's what it is. So we've covered a lot of how you got to where you are today. Let's cover some of the stuff that you are doing. You've got your podcast. You've done some YouTube streaming stuff and sharing stuff. Where did that come from? Of Was that just gratefulness for community to let me in? I got to be back. Is that just, I'm just so excited about this. I just need outlets because my coworkers keep telling me to shut up, even though we're all doing closure script day to day. And I just <laughs> need to talk to someone, even if it's an empty mic. There's, uh. there's a wide range of stuff that causes someone to do 
do what you're doing. And again, I say this with me was like, I was yelling at the audio player in the car for the podcast I was listening to, which is like, why didn't you ask that question? <laughs> like you missed the, you missed yeah. the hundred dollar question or million dollar question in my, in my mind. So I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. So what mm-hmm. caused you to spin up everything you're doing that has helped you make that splash in the closures? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Actually, for that, the, for the thing you mentioned about shouting, but well, actually, that is why I have a therapist for for no other reason than like my coworker's sanity is kind of what that is. But so I was I was in the job market and I was um, talking with this consulting company that has closure and closure script projects, and they were hosting this data science conference in D.C., I don't even remember what it's called. It's like data science week or something really like that. And somebody I was working with at the time had encouraged me to kind of like as a way in the door at this consulting company, create a presentation for this conference that they were sponsoring. So, you know, and I did that and I loved it because I am a performer by nature. Everyone has their different personalities and like, like all of my hobbies have to do with performing and, and some, I, I just, I just, I just like it. And so I gave the talk and I gave it live. And then I think I also, I recorded it separately and I put it up on YouTube and I got some good responses. And so I, I kept creating content. My, oh, my favorite, my favorite video it's called WTF is closure. And it's just, it's, <laughs> It is uh it is on brand. I'll 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 say I'll say I'll put it that way. And I just got a lot of um fulfillment and it's funny that I've I've kind of been reflecting on you know the definition because since then I am a uh the sponsored open source developer Cognitech sponsors me as an open source developer and you know I I think that there are I think we need to start to redefine our our understanding and definition of an open source contribution because we tend to think of it as a PR on a tool or making your own library or yada yada yada. And there are so many wonderful, awesome tools that people have made and are maintained. And you know, I'm I'm very pro open source and, and you know free software, that whole philosophical yes, you know, support it. But there are other ways to contribute to the community that are just as valid and often don't and look as such. Actually, recently in the Closure Slack, we have a Closure Ladies channel. And this woman, Heather, was saying that she is on the board for It's Closures Together, if I'm remembering correctly. And she was saying that they were having, they were viewing people's requests for funding and that there was noticeably no women there and you know and she posted in the in the channel i think trying to get people to encourage if anybody has a tool or this or that that they you know to ask for funding and and that really got me thinking about how grateful i am that my contributions to this community have been validated by people like cognitect and i wish that it could be you know, because community building is almost more impactful in a lot of ways. Spreading knowledge, hooking people together. And and I think that the best way to make an open source contribution is to 
leverage your skills, your personal skills, bring the flavor of you. That's the whole thing. <laughs> it's going to, you know, it's going to benefit the community better. And so I encourage people to 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 redefine their definition of what an open source contribution is because it can be community building, it can be leading closure bridge, it can be making YouTubes, it can be I make memes on Twitter and I get a lot of fulfillment out of that and I think other people enjoy it too, you know, and that I know it sounds silly but that's a, that's a valid contribution and should be seen as such. Because, you know, I hate to say it, but the world doesn't need another routing library. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I don't want to put down anyone's um, hard work because, you know, if you had fun writing library, that, that's what matters. But I really wish we could open our eyes. And if we could open our eyes to what kind of contributions are valid, we're going to have different types of people and different types of contributions. And we're going to be a healthier, more diverse, smarter group of people and a community as a result of that so yeah that's that's my bit i guess i don't even remember what the question was but that's a spiel that's been heavy on my noggin lately pretty sure you answered it was what got you going into the podcast and the videos and everything else so i think well podcast i will credit that to bork dude i always call him bork dude because i'm always nervous of mispronouncing Michiel. Me, Michiel. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Michiel. You're awesome. I don't want to butcher your name, which is why I call you Bork Dude. But Bork Dude had suggested it on Twitter. Like, yo, you should, you should start a podcast. And he was the first guest. And, and yeah, cause I just love like hanging out with people and asking the questions. And I, I think the motto behind my personal podcast is I like to, it's like meet the person behind the GitHub. Because a lot of times we know people and we know them for their tools and we know them for like how they've affected our lives in positive, like professional ways. Like, oh, you made that library that was like, oh, like bug, be bats of, you know, I use cider every day. Bug made cider. Like I know, but like, like what? I want to hear about your Starcraft. Yeah, I want to, I want to hear about, and, and when we humanize these people behind the tools they make, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. Bork Dude is not just the machine everybody thinks he is. Although he is that too. Right. He's, he's that and more kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's important. So you mentioned you were doing some mentoring, your brother, and you've got this mentoring program you're participating in. Do you want to touch on that? And just, I know we talked about it a little bit before you talked about it on the Cognicast, give you a chance to plug it. And then just yeah, anything I else that you want to dig into about what you're finding as you mentor other people and try and bring them in. So again, just general lessons learned as well, besides just giving a pitch for the, your mentoring program. Yeah. Yeah. So I am involved in a fabulous organization. They're called Emergent Works and we help formerly incarcerated individuals learn tech literacy, software skills, so they can get into the tech field and, and change their lives. And, you know, kind of similar to how I did, you know, it can be breaking into this industry and feel can really be life changing for a lot of people and really help people change patterns that it's not that they're, it's not their fault that they're in. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's been great. So we have different cohorts in there, like 12 or 16 week cohorts, I want to say. I want to say 16 weeks, actually. Uh, yeah, 16 weeks, because, yeah. 
and you get matched up with your mentee. You can kind of, as a mentor, you can say what level you're comfortable mentoring. This is my first time, my first cohort. So I was like, give me, give me a freshie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, there's a suggested curriculum, but, you know, a lot of it is very what's working best for you and your mentee. My mentee is fabulous. His name is Jordan J. And it's funny because I'm, I'm Jordan and his name is Jordan J. And he's Mr. Jackson on GitHub and Twitter and all that. And yeah, it's just been really rewarding what we meet a couple times a week. And it's, you know, I basically offer guidance, support, questions. I recently, he recently got his first web page, like his, you know, jordanjackson.com, just, you know, your personal, your personal web page up. And so it's really rewarding to see that. We also, every couple of weeks as a group of mentors, we meet and talk about, um, you know, wins, losses, what we're working with. And it is really interesting because it, a lot of us, that meeting was yesterday, so it's very fresh in my mind, that a lot of the mentors were sharing kind of the same, we kind of had the same hangups of over in the spot with our mentees where we're like, listen, just copy and paste. It's CSS. It's okay. <laughs> like, like it's this struggle of like, you know, they don't feel like they're learning or doing enough. And, and then they feel like copy pasting is cheating because I guess schools tell you not to do that. And we're like, no, no, no. Like, watch the video, understand what that is. But you're like never going to start a project with like open bracket doc. Like, that's never, ever going to happen, dude. <laughs> Don't feel bad about copying like a CSS class. Like, just, you know, and uh, so that's, you know, kind of struggles. That's um, usually how I start my documents. Just be- I just leave I open bracket doc and leave it all blank. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is the only time you do that. I'm not putting any CSS in because I do not see the CSS and you can deal with a basic HTML page. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, it's been extremely rewarding and really cool to see, you know, when we when we started the way that I kind of got a feel for what his his starting skills were is I kind of I made up this game where I would just like throw out a term and he'd answer on a scale of one to ten, like how familiar he was with that. And so, you know, I went from, I did Git, software, hardware, IDE, you know, just throwing out different terms. And um, yeah, he's come really far and he's really smart. And, and I'm really excited to to see him flourish in the scene. I mean, same thing. He's running into the same issue that I spoke earlier on of right now, our goal is to apply for this program called Next Chapter. They will give you a living stipend so you can, at that last push, stop working, actually throw yourself into the content, and then they, you know, hook you up with a job. So that's, that's our next goal because he's still working full time and I can see it. I can see it detrimentally affecting him. And that's other, other mentors in the program said the same thing that that's been a, that's kind of been a struggle trying to help people through. But yeah, the next cohort should be in a month or two. If you go to emergentworks.org, is it .org? It's got to be .org. Hopefully we'll put in the, we'll put in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I encourage everyone to apply to be a mentor. There's also another program called TRAP. And that is more audio engineer focused. And so that is helping people express themselves, like therapeutically express themselves via music production and creation and those skills. I'm not as involved in that program, but I'd like to get involved. It's funny. I'd like to be involved in that program as a, uh, as a mentee. <laughs> I 
I want to take, I want to take that. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's the uh, only thing I have to plug. I'm sure I have more things to to plug, but that's, 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 that's a big one that I am um, getting a lot of fulfillment and I recommend to everybody. You mentioned the other big one about making sure we bring people up internally if they're on the fringe and figuring out how we can have that training for those interested to broaden the community in mm-hmm. a wise way. Are there any other things you want to shout out? I know you've shouted out to the closure community in general. Is there anything else that you want to just kind of like give shout outs, thank yous, call out specifically now that you have some time and you got a audience to that you may not have been prompted for a shout out on your own stuff kind of thing. Is there anything else you want to just shout out to in general? Not anything that I haven't said a million times that I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm so grateful to people, people like Alex Miller, who actually the, when I went to the conch the first time, like I, I, I was, I was poor. Remember I quit working so I could learn programming. <laughs> so I hit him up like, I don't know, a week or two before the conch and was like, I'll fire spin for a free ticket. Hey, <laughs> and he was like, you don't need to fire spin. Yeah. Okay. Here's the ticket. And, uh, that really, that really changed my life. So I'm, you know, grateful to him, grateful for it to contact for, you know, supporting me. And, and I think it's really important. I think there's a lot of value having somebody like me in the community as a role model for maybe other people that look like me because I, I enjoy being my unadulterated self. And I think that I would like to see more people, more creatives, more people from different backgrounds, you know, working with me on my team so we can solve problems in a better way. So yeah, if, if, you know, if a little girl, I already, you know, when you have blue hair, little girls just look at you like, oh my God, she's a fairy. And like, I play it up too. I'll wear glitter, like just casually every day, you know? And so when a little girl sees like, oh my God, that's a fairy. She's so cool. And then it's like, oh, what does she do? It's like, oh, I write code. Suddenly they're like, oh, I could write code. That seems really cool. So I don't know. I'm trying, trying Is to that do that. Is that your next YouTube to- channel, The Coding Fairy? Teaching, uh, <laughs> oh teaching five to eight year olds <laughs> how to code? You're like, I wear the hoodie so you can't well, see my wings. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you uh you must you must have a dot. I heard I heard that uh the kid voice, you know, the it's like da 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 uh, like and, I and, that, and eight, uh turning six in a couple days and a three year old. So yes, three girls all in the Oh, it's the fairies. <laughs> uh-huh. So you know, so you know how they look at me in supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> She's got purple hair. Yeah, That's yeah. cool. <laughs> I've also um, appreciated as I've gotten more, I guess, established in my career, I have felt more comfortable getting more uh, body art and really great like tattoos that I really like a lot. And I also like to make it clear that somebody's appearance does not have a correlation with their performance and and, and their ability to solve problems. And I also like to kind of serve, you know, of course... Of course, there's context. You have to respect, read the room a little bit. <laughs> if you're going to a client's first meeting, you know, don't have your full sleeve out. <laughs> it's, it's, you're like, but, but the um, prints match. I, the prints on that sleeve yeah. match. <laughs> you can tell I'm serious. I made sure that tattoo artist didn't short me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's it's a something I've enjoyed being able to res- represent the alt community, <laughs> represent the the alt people. Yeah, and and do so in a because I you know I am smart and I am good at my job. So the fact that I have purple hair or tattoos shouldn't take away from that, and it doesn't. And it's great to show people that. And uh, any company that would, I guess, say discriminate, that's a very strong word, discriminate based on that, is probably very indicative of other patterns that I probably not going to be a super fun working environment. <laughs> so I don't know how that got on this spiel, but. <laughs> Sounds like the call for just making sure we have diverse opinions and perspectives. And if you've got one, Sounds like don't hide it, embrace it. As long as, yes, given that you're not essentially directly hurting someone else <laughs> and beating yes. them back. Yes, of course. Is there anything else we should cover? You said you'd mentioned you drop your link tray in. We covered some call to actions. Mm-hmm. We covered various things you're doing, your podcast, your YouTubes, your mentoring. Is there anything we missed? Is there anything we need to let people know that wouldn't be in any of those or your link tray? I don't think so. I'm pretty good at loud and proud. It's kind of how I got here. So I, yeah. And the, the reason I like to do the link tree too is because everything stays current there. And I need to do some more YouTube videos soon. Oh, I think we're going to start at Vouch. We're going to start doing some Twitter spaces and maybe eventually a podcast. But I think we're talking about the, the right kind of content for that. But we're doing some really cool cutting edge things at Vouch that should be shared. So yeah, I guess look out for that. But that also, I'll probably put that on Linktree when that comes up. So, um, it was a it was a pleasure being here and talking with you and being interviewed. I appreciate being in the other seat. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. I got your backlog to go through. It's and I would go through it pretty quick pre pandemic because it's like twenty minutes in the car, and I eventually got up to three and a half times speed. So I was mm-hmm. like, I can blow through. It's like pandemic. Everybody works from home. Podcast out the window because I can't. I'm not one of those who uh-huh. can code and podcast. I can. I need ambient music. Who can do that? Some people. Uh, I don't know if so, I don't know Nobody if anybody can, can, do, can but they tout it. So I'm not one of those who can even tout pretend to do it. But uh, but yeah, your your yeah, no. podcast is on the backlog to go through as well. So I look forward to catching up because from what I've seen on your backlog, you've got some good you've got some good people in the closure community on there so far. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful they'll talk to me. And hopefully there will be hopefully there will be many more. This will not be the last y'all heard from me. That is a threat, not a promise. I'd like to give a giant thank you to David Belcher for the logo. And once again, thank you, Jordan, for taking your time to talk to me today. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I hope we touch base soon-ish, at least online, in the Closurians channel, somewhere else. Maybe if I ever make it to a con, which would be awesome with the young girls. This is part of the other reason with podcasts, like, I can talk to people and get a hallway track without actually having to travel anywhere and worry about, like, yeah, you're being left at home with the toddler and the babies. Now that they're starting to grow up, hopefully I can get a, get a conge in soon, too, and meet you in person. So, thank you again for taking your time to join me today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Bye-bye. Adios. Until next time, this has been Functional Geekery.